to NURFM's Gardening Talkback and David Peterson. Welcome along again. And David, don't plants love the rain and gardens love the rain? Yes, they, they love the rain, but they don't like constant rain day after day after day. So I think I'm sure most people's gardens would be probably fairly moist, if not a little bit... Um, Waterlogged? Yeah. <laughs> yes, by now. So we just need... And of course, during the wintertime, it doesn't dry out that quickly, you see. So it, it takes several weeks for this all this water to actually dry out. I mean, I noticed coming to work this morning that there are lots of areas actually underwater, particularly um, golf courses and things like that. So, so um, mm, right, okay. So they like to not necessarily have wet feet. That's right. Okay. Uh, but I'm sure you've got some good tips to I help us so, deal yes. with things like that today. And you've got a, a special gift for a special caller today. I do, I do. And that gift consists of this. I thought instead of a, a flowering thing today, I'd bring in something that's fairly foliage looking. And it, and it is just that. It's a petostromum, um, if some people call them pittosporums, depending on how you like to pronounce them. And this one's called golf ball. And it's designed, it's actually designed that way that it looks like a golf ball. It actually grows into a nice round little ball, very, very shiny green foliage. Foliage, glossy green foliage, no particular flowers to speak of. I'm sure it would have a flower, but that flower would be fairly insignificant. So that's the plant. It grows up to a height of approximately 1.8 metres in height. So you can imagine that nice, glossy, green little foliage thing that's in your garden. And of course, it would look very, very pretty during the, the summer season. As well as, that, as well as that, I'm giving away a container of the harvest. That's the seaweed solution, liquid fertiliser that we can be still using. Don't forget, we don't stop using our liquid fertilisers throughout the winter months. And and a, car, a box of the Aqua Magic. Now, this is the water storing granules. I don't really expect you to be using something like this at the moment, but certainly once things dry out, you'll be able to consider these as well. And a few other sachets of goodies in there as well, Jane. And to get your hands on this wonderful mm. gift package, all you need to do is be one of our callers right. today, 49216216, to put your question to David Peterson. And it's all about gardening right at the moment it, at 18 past 12. We've got lines free. If you would like to pop a question through to David Peterson, give us a call, 49216216. We'll get you and your question through to David and also get you into the running for our special gift package today. And it's a great gift package. And I like to see that the little petosporum has got some nice little raindrops on it. It does, from yes. you brought it in. Makes it look quite attractive. <laughs> Definitely does, and so it's the weather for petosporum, I think. What uh, What about the the lawn? Does that really suffer from having Ooh. a lot of gra- uh, a lot of water on it? Well, it does. It really does because I mean, all this constant rain. I mean, we know that the lawns are slow anyway at this time of the year. The only things that grow fairly quickly are the weeds. Um, so therefore, the lawn, particularly when we're getting constant rain we're not getting any sun it's not growing even more so so you know it's really really quite slow and I mean I mean once again most lawns would be fairly waterlogged and of course that's something else that the lawn particularly doesn't like either so therefore we know there are certain things that we can add to the lawn to try and help it dry out particularly those people that have got fairly clay lawns or clay soil you can throw some gypsum around because that's remembering a clay breaker and of course that will open up the ground as well and hopefully give you a little bit better drainage so you know you can try doing that but certainly we wouldn't be doing too much to our lawns at this time of the year we'd be just stepping back waiting for the spring because in that spring of course we'll have the opportunity to start spraying getting rid of the weeds so yeah just leave the lawn alone and just persevere and just hopefully we're, we're going to hope for some really good sunny days to dry that lawn out 
We've got a caller in. Carolyn's ringing in from Belmont. You've got a question for David, Carolyn. Hello, Carolyn. Hello. Yes, you've answered the questions about the lawn already. <laughs> um, I had some citrus trees in pots. Uh, at least three of them are looking very sad and they've lost quite a lot of their leaves. Is there anything I should be doing this time of the year? Well, just be really careful when you've got citrus losing a lot of leaf in pots because that indicates to me that perhaps the hole in the bottom may be blocked up and therefore they may be getting a little waterlogged. So what I would be suggesting to you to do is, particularly if they're fairly large pots, is to tip the pot on their side. And I normally have a metal skewer in my kitchen that I normally keep on hand for this situation. Whereas I take that out and I try and stick the screwer into the hole to try and unblock the holes because the root system sometimes blocks the holes and that's why you get the plant waterlogged. So that's what I would be doing first to certainly try and unblock that. But otherwise, no, there's not a great deal you do to your citrus this time of the year. You can liquid feed throughout the season, throughout the uh, winter season. That just keeps them looking reasonably nice. And then, of course, once we get into the later part of winter we start feeding them now remembering when you've got citrus in pots you don't feed them citrus fertilizer because it's very very strong it can cause more leaf drop so you just use a pelleted manure to feed your citrus in pots and that will actually make them spring back into life for springtime fine and the liquid um flower and fruit yep Look, that's a, that's a great fertiliser because remembering with the flower and fruit, it does have a small percentage of potash in it. And of course, you hear me mention potash quite regularly. And that's actually a flower and fruit producer. So yes, that's a great fertiliser to continue to use right through the year. Fine. Okay. And oh, the only, another quick one. Um, I've got some orchids that I haven't looked after properly, I don't think. And um, the leaves got a bit burnt in the summer, but... Now there's a black sooty um, round the leaves yep. and some of them look a little bit rotten. Okay. Well, I mean, the black sooty thing could be a couple of different things. If it's a black spot... This is a virus that gets onto them and it's called ink spot. It just looks like somebody's tipped ink over the plant. Uh, but if it's a black that can be rubbed off, that is sooty mould. Now, if it's ink spot, the only remedy I have there is to cut off the really badly affected foliage and then just treat it with a fungicide just by watering the fungicide spray down into the pots. And then if it's a, if it's a, if it's a sooty mould which can be rubbed off, you need to use a thing called anti-scale and that should get rid of that for you. Okay, I think it's more the anti-scale okay. that would be needed. All right. But thank you very much. You're welcome. Gardening Talk Back. David Peterson is here and happy to take your questions. 49216216. And there's a line that'll accommodate your question. And Paul, you've rung in from Raymond Terrace. Yes, I have. Um, David, I've got a, a problem with uh, one of my azaleas. I'm a new azalea grower. Um, but I've got two azaleas growing at the front of my house, and one of them is starting to brown on the leaves. And it's a light brown. It doesn't look like the leaf is dying, but the leaves are, are going a, a light brown, almost like a coating. I suppose it's a fungus. But the interesting thing is I've had other plants growing around underneath them. Um, I've tried snapdragons. I've tried uh, gazanias and a whole lot of things to grow in underneath them. And just in this particular area of the garden, 
whatever I grow there seems to do the same thing. The leaves will go a light brown and then the plant will die. And I'm worried about losing the azaleas. I suppose it's not new to azalea growers, but I'm, I'm a new azalea grower, so I don't know anything about what's going on. Okay. All right, then. Well, it sounds very unusual that you, even by planting other things in there, they're not growing in that position either. So we can treat it as a fungus problem because you've got these other things not being able to be grown in that area. So, and azaleas are susceptible to a fungal disease. So basically what I would suggest for you to do there is to probably get yourself some mancozep. It's a good all-purpose fungicide. Mix that up according to directions and also just water that over that particular area. If there is a fungal disease there, it will kill that fungal disease uh, straight away. What I also would suggest for you to do, Paul, is probably to treat the ground in a product called dolomite. Now, dolomite doesn't alter the pH, but it actually makes the ground a little sweeter. So you'll probably find if you sprinkle some dolomite around in that area and just let, either water that in or let the rain do that uh, or just dig it in slightly, that may correct the pH deficiency as well in that area or just make the soil a little bit sweeter for the azaleas. And that may help by putting other seedlings in that area as well. Should I try and pull the browning leaves off the azalea? The browning leaves normally will fall once they get to a certain stage. They will just fall off the azalea. So if that, 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 those problems may have occurred during the last season, so they're not probably new for that to happen. So, yes, the leaves will just fall off. As the new leaves come, those old leaves will just naturally fall off the plant. So the fungal attack's probably coming from the ground rather than um, forming on the leaves and that's, from the air? That's right, yes, because there are fungal diseases that start from the ground or vice versa, they come, they're come, they airborne and so they settle on the plant. Normally with azaleas, it is a ground thing that's that's the problem. So by using the mancozeb and then, of course, as, as, as I said, using the dolomite, that should correct the, uh, the problem for you. Okay. Right, thanks for that, Doug. Thank you, Paul. And Paul's problem solved. I hope so. Are there many plants at the moment that will be uh, suffering from um, uh, from mould yes. type yes, things? Yes, there will. I mean, with this constant rain, I mean, I would be I would be watching the garden or getting out into the garden and watching it very, very carefully, uh, because particularly annuals, the you know the little seedlings that we've got in, I mean, they only have a very, very small root system, so therefore, if they get water and are constantly waterlogged, they will rot very, very easily. Now, we can try and prevent this from happening just by using uh, a fungicide spray. You can either spray it over your young seedlings or else water it over the seedlings very, very carefully. But that's only in situations where the ground is very, very boggy. I mean, I'm watching my primulas at work around the the perimeter because I've had a lot of trouble with those this year, Uh, particularly before the rain, Jane. I mean, it was really quite strange, and it was mainly because the sprinklers were going on fairly regularly and it was keeping them wet and it was it was actually spreading a fungal disease. I hopefully have that under control now and if you go past you may see the primula starting to come out in all the little white flowers so hopefully they'll be a good show. And are there different funguses Ooh, yes. for different plants? Yes, yes there are. There's many different funguses uh, like there are many, many different plants so yes, there's always a different fungus for a different plant. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, 49216216 is the number for you to ring. And hello, who have we got on the line here? Rosemary. Rosemary. Hello, Rosemary. Hello. Um, David, can you tell me about pruning citrus? Yes, I can. Um, I had a, a young fellow here helping me in the garden the other day and he thought it was the time to prune oranges. Mm-hmm. 
and I've already had my little crop of oranges and we cut them back to the, to the branch. Okay. So you mean right? there's been there's hardly any foliage left on the plant now? half the foliage. Okay. We left half the branch. Well, look, certainly with citrus trees, I, do, I wouldn't normally suggest to cut them back fairly severely at this time of the year because you're not going to get a lot of growth. I would normally have left them till around about August. But the only thing is with citrus, it, it's actually a, a gambling act with citrus because with most citrus, they flower in early spring. And that's, of course, the time when we prune them back. Sometimes you will actually miss that season's fruiting. But of course, if you feel you, they've got to be pruned back, it, it's wise to do them then. By doing them now, you may not get a lot of growth until spring. And depending on where, what sort of area you live in, sometimes if you're in fairly frost areas or very, very cold areas, the frost may tend to burn the young foliage if you happen to get some young foliage on the citrus tree. So if it's a reasonably established tree, I wouldn't be overly concerned about that. But certainly the better time to do it would be just early spring. Thank you. And Spraying it with lime sulphur mm -hmm. um, for sooty mould, yes. is that right? Well, look, you can use lime sulphur during the winter months only. It's the only time I ever suggest to use lime sulphur. Yeah. I mean, I know on the instructions of lime sulphur, you can use it on most things. I, I prefer just to use lime sulphur on roses when you prune them back. But certainly it's not going to harm the citrus because it is a winter spraying oil, so it won't harm the citrus. And yeah. yes, it is designed basically for killing scale that may be on the tree. I tend to prefer something like um, um, anti-scale. It does a much better job than what probably the lime sulphur would have done. Oh, okay. And what about rhubarb in a tub? Does that like chook poo? Uh, the rhubarb is is an unusual little plant. I mean, it can be very finicky. It's good. You can grow it in a pot. It de does tend to prefer more so cow manure than fowl manure because fowl manure can burn a lot of things. I personally wouldn't use fowl manure on the garden. I would be using cow manure because it serves as a feeding manure as well as a mulching manure where the poultry manure can be a little bit strong and it can burn a lot of things fairly easily. So eight years old, this bag of yes. burn. Oh, well, that's good. It, would that be all right? That would be fine. I mean, look, certainly I was just going to say certainly something that old would be great to put around your rhubarb because you'll get an excellent response from it. Oh. Just making sure that when you use something like fowl manure and particularly around things like rhubarb that have a crown in the centre of the plant that you yeah. should never put anything near because it will burn them really easily. So you keep it away from the main uh, uh, stem or the crown of the rhubarb and let it work its way down into the soil. But no, it'll be, it'll be good to use on your rhubarb. Oh, beautiful. So Thank hopefully he's done, he's done everything correctly for you. Thank you very much, David. <laughs> You're welcome. And this is Gardening Talkback. David Peterson sitting here longing for your calls because he's got such a lot to say about all these things. And right at the moment, Lorraine has rung in on 49216216 from Madawi. Hello, Lorraine. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. It's good. Um, I just want I've got a French penny, um, and I was just wondering, can you transplant it? I put it in the wrong place, too close to the house, and it's growing sort of funny. <laughs> um, can I transplant it? You can. Now, or do I have to wait till the leaves? No, well, well, I mean, most of the frangipani is around town. I'm surprised yours hasn't to complete, completely denuded by now because in Madawi it can get fairly cold. But certainly... Yeah, the leaves are not good, yeah. 
Okay. Well, certainly it's it's a good idea to wait until all the leaves have fallen off because you know okay. for sure that um, the frangipani is asleep then, and that oh, is okay. that that is always the best time to move a frangipani when it's completely asleep for the winter months, so that it's in its new spot, ready to go ahead in the springtime. All right. Thanks very much. I thought I thought that might be the case, but I thought I'd check. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I would Thanks. say possibly, um, Lorraine, if you give the frangipani a shake, those leaves will probably fall off anyway. Yeah, they're a bit brown. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, David. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bye-bye. Lo- thanks, Lorraine. And Doug joins us. Hello, hello. Doug. Oh, hello. I'm ringing in relation to a potted kumquat that is somewhere between five and ten years old as I look at it. Um, it, it has fruited beautifully in years gone by. Uh, it gets fertilised twice a year. But it's looking sad. The crop's dropping. And I'm wondering if it's time for me to prune it uh, uh, after it flower, uh, fruits this year and how much I should prune it back. Okay. Well, certainly with kumquats, it's it's one of the things, particularly when you've got it growing in a pot, that I would suggest to prune back because in a, in a pot you try and shape your plants to make them look a bit more attractive. So, yeah, one the, once the fruit is finished, you'll probably find that will be... I mean, I know that most kumquats are in full fruit at the moment. So once you've finished that, it's getting closer to the springtime, so it wouldn't hurt just to trim it back. And basically with kumquats, it's, it's really just a matter of trimming very, very lightly so that you're pruning your plant back into some sort of reasonable shape uh, and that's it and then once we get into the later part of winter we can then feed it remembering because it's in a pot you never use the citrus fertilizer you use something like a pelleted manure which has got all those elements in it which will help make it shoot back to life very very quickly so yeah just a just a very very light trimming oh hang on you just understand that you said something about citrus fruit uh so citrus um uh, fertiliser, that's what I've used on all my citrus all the time. So is it just this occasion I use uh, a sort of a growth fertiliser or always? It's always. When you've got citrus growing in pots, you should never use a citrus fertiliser because it's it's far too strong. Most of them are chemical fertilisers. Yes. So in a pot, it can be a really a little bit too strong. So I'm surprised that you haven't noticed burning before with your citrus. So it's always wise to use a pelleted organic fertiliser when you've got citrus growing in pots so you don't get that burning occurring. When you say burning, I, I, as I look at it, some of the tips of some of the leaves are, are whitish and in something else I would have said it was um, nitrogen deficient but uh, a lot of the leaves are just very deep, hard green. So well, that's, that's, that's the case. So that, is that the yeah. burning? Well, look, certainly that's the case. If, the, if most of the leaves are really dark green, obviously the citrus fertiliser hasn't bothered them. But as a precaution, I would normally suggest to you just to use a pelleted manure instead of the citrus fertiliser. Okay, so would something like all-purpose, uh, like rose um, fertiliser, be a good additive? Only, uh, only if it's organic, not a chemical fertiliser. You should never add any chemical fertiliser to potted citrus because, as I said, it can be too strong. I'll just use cow manure or okay. horse manure. That's, that's a good, safe way of doing it, yes. Gardening Talkback, it's 19 to 1. David Peterson, ready for your calls on 49216216. And who have we got here? Hello. 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 <laughs> I've already rang up, love. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but you're now about to speak to David Peterson. Hello. Would you like to? Yeah, what's, what's your name? Pam from Weston. Hello, Hi, Pam. Pam. What can I do for you? Hi, David. It's Pam from Weston. I have a, a, an oval... Uh, 
pub. Yes. It's about Iris. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's, all the tips are going brown, and I'm getting some round spot, brown spots all okay. down the leaves. All right, Pam. Now, this is, this is a good indication of what's happening because of all the really, really wet weather. I mean, iris are a, a really dry climate thing, and mm. if they get wet and they stay wet for any length of time, even, when, even before we had all the rain, if you water them fairly frequently, they mm. don't like a lot of wet weather. They like to be kept dry, and mostly with irises, you'll find you can leave them alone for weeks on end without any water because they've got got that storage bulb underneath them which doesn't need you to water them as much all right so what i would suggest for you to do there is because of all the wet weather that we're getting now um you would probably be best to get yourself some fungicide spray something like some mancozeb yeah if you haven't already got that and just mix it up according to directions and just give your irises a water over with that pam and Mm. do that again in 14 days just to make sure and that should actually cure them. We just need to get back to some normal dry-ish weather for the winter months and they should probably perk up once we get back uh, to the when spring. When do they flower, David? They normally flower during the summer months. If they're in the normal bearded iris, they what? flower during summer, which are the really, yeah, really big irises. Wide silver grey leaf, I okay. have. Okay, that's the bearded... I've got a purple one coming out. Yeah, well, the purple ones are a little bit different. They normally flower very, very early and they flower in early spring normally. Perhaps right. they're just a little little bit confused but right. certainly the really big bearded irises are more of a summer flowering thing all right all right mancozeb that's it that's the one you need to get hold of and just water over the top of them plant and all and let it run down into the soil okay david thank you thanks pam thanks pam and myrna joins us now from new lambton hello myrna hello david how are you good thank you that's good just look i've just missed i was coming home in the car and just missed just got the tail end of the citrus trees Yes. And you were talking about something about pruning them. Yes. Okay. Now, we pruned out. We had oranges this year, but only down the bottom where we didn't prune, Mm -hmm. and they were wonderful, and they were sweet, a whole lot of them. Uh, There was about 20, I guess, on the bush, because it's only trying to keep it dwarf. But now, is it right, then, that if we trim the top down... We don't get fruit off that for twelve months, don't we? Well, this is this this is what yeah this is what sometimes does happen because we prune our citrus fairly uh, heavily. It it's not enough time for them to actually grow and flower for us in the springtime to get our next year's fruit. So it's a hit and miss, unfortunately, with a lot of citrus. You don't have to prune them every year. Look, if the tree looks fine, there's no need to prune it, and then you can be assured that you're actually going to get fruit the following season. So it's only when you prune your trees fairly heavily that you probably won't get that citrus fruit the following season but certainly if they're looking great leave them alone and they'll just fruit the following season for you. Now it's just that the ones that now that are bearing they were on the ground pretty much I'm yes. always frightened that the possums or something might oh, yes, get yes. them but they didn't <laughs> they didn't but they're hanging on the ground so what you suggest is better for us just to tie those bottom ones up Neil? Yeah I would I would just yes. tie them up yeah. And just probably, if you feel you need to, just trim them lightly. There's no need to prune your citrus back heavily every year. Okay, and those top leaves that didn't be it yes. last year. Leave those alone for this year because then you can be assured that they're going to crop. Okay, thank you so All much. Right. You're welcome. Get through their ages. Okay, thank you. All so right, much, bye-bye. And Gardening Talkback is the program. Bianca has rung in from Garden Suburb. Hello, Bianca. Hello, David. How are you? Good. Good. I have a frangipani tree that's been in the garden about three years now 
and it's in front of a wall that's about a metre high. How big do the roots grow? Should I leave it there or will I move it? Well, look, normally with frangipanis, I've never had anyone that's had problems as far as the root system goes. They're all fairly fibrous root system and their root system is usually fairly close to the surface. But in saying that, you'll find if it's in a very restricted area, Mm -hmm. you'll probably find there may be a little bit of a problem with the root system. So so long as you've got plenty of depth of soil and plenty... Okay, look, that's fine. You shouldn't have any problem whatsoever. Push the wall over. No, it should not push the wall over. If they've got plenty of depth of soil, you shouldn't have... You shouldn't have any problem at all. Okay, thanks for that, David. You're welcome. And this is Gardening Talkback and your calls, 49216216. And Rosie has rung in, David, and she's from Moore Creek near Tamworth. Hello, Rosie. Good afternoon. How are you today? Good, thank you. My problem is with agapanthus. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband's been doing battle with mealybugs in agapanthus and he can't seem to get on top of them. He's using levasid at the moment and um, they're still coming back. We okay. have a lot of them. All right. Well, first of all, levasid has gone from the market. So whatever you've got of levasid, make sure you use it up out of the way or don't use it at all because it, it has gone on the endangered list. So you need to get rid of that. You need to switch over to a product called Confidor because Confidor is actually listed for killing mealybugs. So if you try and get some Confidor, now the best, best procedure there is to actually mix that up according to directions. Rather than spray it on, try and water it on because you need to get right down in the system into all those cracks and crevices in the actual agapanthus. Now, mealybug is one of the most difficult insects to get rid of, as he's probably found out. So you need to use the Confidor every couple of weeks, at least three applications at 14-day intervals, and that should get it under control for you. It is a problem. It has been a problem probably for the past five years with Agapanthus, but I'm sure if you switch to Confidor, you may have better results. That sounds great. Thank you very much indeed. You're welcome and thanks for your call. Thanks, Rosie. And let's just do a quick check of the weather for our sponsor, Hunter Motor Group Maitland for Subaru, Volkswagen, Honda and Isuzu Ute. Showers, isolated showers today (laughs) and 15 degrees at Blacksmith's at the moment. 49216216 for your question to get through to David Peterson and Bill. You've rung in from Adamstown Heights. Hello, Bill. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, You were talking uh, just a while ago about pruning citrus trees. Yes. Um, Unfortunately, my my lemon tree has been pruned, but not by me. Right. I had a a good crop of lemons on, and it's in a pot. And uh, the other day, I went down. My wife went down, and uh, half the tree has been broken off. Oh, I think it's by a possum. Right. And I'm just wondering how my lemon tree will go now. That's it's. as I said, it was in a pot. There, there's still growth on the bottom, is there, Bill? Yes, yes, and there's okay. lemons on it too. Well, that's good. That's good. As long as you've got some growth on it, that'll, that will, of course, overtake. Now, the branch that's been broken, have you neatly cut that off? Yes. Okay, well, that's good because you've taken care of that as well. Remembering if the branch is too large or in diameter, you may actually need to treat it with some tree wound dressing so that no disease actually gets into that part of the tree. And make sure when you've cut it that it actually has it on a slant so any moisture that actually settles on that will actually run off as well. 
good. So, so long as you've got some foliage or some growth still underneath, that will eventually just grow now once we get into the spring season and give you a fuller tree again. I don't think I'd worry too much about it because, as I said, as long as you've got growth there, that will overtake and give you a good tree again anyway. Okay, then. Well, I've been using that uh, flower and fruit. Good. That's excellent because that'll help promote the growth as well as promote the flowers on your citrus tree. All right. Great. Thanks very much. Thanks, Bill. Okay. And Bye-bye. gardening talk back. And we move now to Spears Point with Kathy. Hello, Kathy. Hello, David. <laughs> uh, my concern is our elderly next door neighbour that's been put into a nursing home now. There is a big rubber tree in Ooh, her home right. that's about 40-year-old. Right. How far would the root system travel to affect, you know, um, the pipes and everything in surrounding places? Yes, well, I could quite honestly say, Cathy, that it would probably grow the root system, if being in, in the ground that length of time and probably being quite a large tree. 20 metres is no exaggeration. It would probably actually go even further than 20 metres to search for water in drier conditions. Yes, because our neighbours have been having trouble and also me with yes. pipes. Yes. So, well, look... Uh, this- you, what you can, sorry, you can do what you can do there is you can contact council because they would come out and they would probably ask for the tree to be removed because they are notorious for their root system. I mean, I didn't think we had any rubber trees left growing in Newcastle because I thought they'd all been removed. So, oh, it's massive. It would be. It would be. It's, it would and, be. And we, um, my daughter and I, did a big cut down at one stage when she was away, and uh, I think I've. Um, Sprouted it on. Well, you would. You would would because that would actually help promote the tree even stronger and thicker. So, as I said, I would be contacting your local council and let them come and have an inspection. And also, also there's a lot of privet privet hedges that she's got planted, which I get really affected with my sinuses. Is it a noxious thing, a privet? It is just the normal common privet. Yes, it once again shouldn't be grown because it is declared as a noxious weed now. So I could count... Um, like um, notify the council. I would. I would. That's. I think that's probably the best thing to do now that she has moved to see whether they can do something about that for you. Yeah, she's in a nursing home and it's just sort yes. of gone to wreck yeah, room. That sounds like yeah. the way to go. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. And Debbie from Dora Creek. Hello, Debbie. Hello, David. How are Good, you? Thank um, you. I have a a, um, a small acreage that's pretty much virgin land, just bush just bush grasses. And I've been planting some trees, and I think I've introduced onion weed to a, a small area, and I'm wondering what can I do to isolate that so that it doesn't um, protrude any further onto the property. Well, certainly what I would suggest is not to try and dig it up because otherwise you're going to spread it even further. Now, of course, during the winter time, it's very, very difficult to get rid of weeds because a lot of the chemicals, they work on sunlight and warmth, which, of course, we haven't had. And certainly winter time, we don't have the warmth. So as I've saying to people, you can still use things like Zero Roundup or glyphosate, which are all the same product now, but they're very, very slow. In your case, I would probably strongly suggest that you wait until the weather warms up or at least wait until we've got some good sunny weather on the way and then you can actually treat it with the Zero Roundup or glyphosate. Now, depending on where it is, of course, you've got to be very, very careful because you've only got to get it onto the foliage of the onion weed 
And if it's in amongst grass and things, the only solution there is to try and brush it on the foliage. Now, when you're brushing it on the foliage, you don't have to cover the entire weed itself. You can just brush a little bit on the foliage uh, in, a, in a certain area and it will actually draw itself down to the, to the bowl. And also, the other thing is too, Debbie, it's good to use it on young growth, not actually the mature growth because the mature growth is not actually uh, using or drawing in the product. If you can spray it on young growth, that's even better. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you, David. You're welcome. This is Gardening Talk Back and on 2NURFM and David will be continuing with calls and things after Great. the news. Okay. And uh, if you've got a call for David, 49216216 is the number for you to get through. But um, just quietly, do you think it's ever going to stop raining? Just quickly. Jane, I was hoping you would say, yes, it's going to stop raining. And of course, as we've heard, we're going to get sunny conditions from Wednesday on right through the rest of the week. And David here for another half hour till half past one and happy to take your calls on 49216216. And Wendy, you've rung in and you've got a question for David. Hello, Wendy. Hello, David. Um, David, I have a Magnolia stellata. Mm -hmm. It's four years old and last year it was devastated almost by two spotted mite. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it didn't start till March. It didn't appear till March. And I, I tried pest oil. I just couldn't get on top of it. So then I tried Rogor. And I don't know whether that worked or not because then it lost its leaves. And I'm just wondering how I can stop um, it, the infestation next season, bearing in mind that I'm going to be away in March when it sort of started <laughs> last year. <laughs> okay. Well, of course, with anything, we can prevent disease from getting onto our, anything in our garden just by spraying um, just an all-purpose insecticide just periodically, and that keeps away most pests and diseases. Not only that, of course, our, if our plants are nice and healthy and they're growing healthy, that should also, to a degree, keep insects and pests away. So, look, certainly what I would suggest to you to do, Wendy, is just to, um, to just spray you know just even if it's something like pyrethrin just as a preventive spray i know it's yes, just okay. an or just an organic uh, spray but certainly it will keep it away once you if you find that you you come back and you've got the two spotted mite roger of course has been taken from the shelf now it has actually been replaced by a thing called insect and mite killer yep. and that would be the one for you to get hold of if you've actually run out of roger roger should have done it yep. but making sure of course that you spray up underneath the foliage where yep. the two spotted yeah, mite I is. I drenched it with the with the rogor. I mm -hmm. must have bought the last um, available bottle, probably. <laughs> um, but it's gone now. But I drenched it, um, and uh, it may have worked. But yes, okay. So preventative. Preventive is probably yep. better than curing. Yes, yep. yes. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, Wendy. And Rod has running rung in from Brankston. Now. Hello, Rod. Good day. How are you, David? Good, thank you. Um, Bringing about a frangipani, I heard you talking about them earlier. Yes. Uh, my wife has one. Uh, it's a Singapore frangipani. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I believe it's supposed to be evergreen or at least partly evergreen. I'm not sure about that. There were varieties that were brought out that are classed as evergreen, but once again, I think in, in your area you'll probably find it will still lose quite a number of its foliage. Well, at the moment it, it's had a, some kind of a fungus that leaves your black spots and kind of withered and fell okay. off. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is its first season in the ground, and it's uh, 18 inches, two feet high. And uh, it's, it's in very wet ground at the moment. Which it wouldn't appreciate. No, 
where the leaves have fallen off on the end of the stems, that's starting to go black as well. Is okay. that a bad sign? Well, look, it's not a bad sign because, as I said, most frangipanis would tend to do that during the winter months. But I would, if I was you, uh, particularly when it is right into the winter months, which, of course, we're stepping into July now, so it's probably a good opportunity for you to try and lift it and try and raise the soil level if you possibly can or else pop it into a position which um, is extremely well-drained because that's exactly what it does prefer rather than too wet a condition. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it's a well-drained area, but it tends to hold the water a bit when there's yeah. a lot of rain. Well, see, this is where you can build the soil level up, so you're actually yes. taking it above the existing soil level, and that gives the yeah. root system a bit more extra drainage. Considering it hasn't been in the ground for very long... It you should, shouldn't have any problem there. whatsoever lifting it. So, as I said, once we get now into July, it's probably a good idea to try and think about doing something like that to it. And I hope that helps, Rod. Neil joins us now from Western. Hello, Neil. Hello, how are you going? Good, thank you. Um, I just want to ask a question about... I've got a mandarin tree. It's about 15-year-old. Mm. It's an emperor. And last year I trimmed the, the centre up to stop it from going up too tall. I've got... Lots and lots of little ones about as big as 10 cents on it. And I've got about 40 ones just starting to get big now and starting to ripen. What's wrong with that? What do you mean, what's wrong with it? Well, I've got heaps of little ones. What do I do about the little ones? You'll just leave those because if you're very, very lucky, you'll get a second crop out of it. Um, Just make sure probably just to keep the fertiliser up to it, even if you give it a liquid fertiliser to promote these extra fruit on. The seasons have a lot to do with that and the conditions which we get, which causes it to um, fruit for the second time. It's not the first time I've heard that. So so long as you treat it correctly, you'll probably find that you'll get a second crop out of them. Make sure you try and Take a lot of the mature mandarins off so that all that energy goes back into all of those little ones that are coming on on the tree. Yeah, there's only about 30. Yep. Well, that's still a good crop for you. Yeah. Hmm. Years ago, like last year, I had heaps and heaps, you know, sort of thing, and now it's gone weird. Right. <laughs> well, that's probably due to our conditions that we get <laughs> in Australia. So uh, blame it on the conditions, not actually what you're doing. Right, yeah, thanks very okay, much. Okay, bye-bye now. So I suppose we should be lucky whenever we get anything on, well, our, right. on our citrus yes. fruit. Well, that's right, Because, I mean, look, trees. the seasons are basically all out of whack. Our winters are getting warmer. It's certainly not as cold, even though sometimes you hear people say how cold it is, but it's certainly not as cold as what we used to get during winter. Yeah, I'd have to agree, mm. I think. Joanne has a question from Killiburn Bay. Hello, Joanne. Oh, hi, David. I'm new to gardening and I'm growing kale in styrofoam boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already planted them, and they're actually growing quite well, apart from the many pests that seem to like kale. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, I planted them with a good potting mixture in the boxes, blood and bone and cow manure, but I've been reading up on it, and is dynamic lifter too strong for using on kale in the boxes? Well, look, any of your pelleted manure, and of course the dynamic lifter actually fits into this category, is not too strong because it's basically a poultry manure that's been dried. So... You know, there, are, there are other products on the market. We sell one called Rapid Razor, which not only has poultry manure, it has seaweed, fish emulsion and blood and bone in it as well. So, of course, that's the one that I normally would recommend. But certainly by throwing that on your boxes, it's an organic fertiliser and it's a non-burning fertiliser. So, in actual fact, it should help them uh, keep nice and green and keep them growing. Okay. If that's the case, I have um, 100 gardenias approximately that every spring 
I get a cubic metre of cow manure mm. and shovel it on, and it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> it is a lot of hard work, but I'm going to stop you there because I know what you're going to say to me, yeah. and I would certainly continue doing what you're doing because last year I did exactly the same thing at the garden centre. I got cow manure in, in bulk, and I put it on all of the gardens, including this big garden that I've got of gardenias, and they look magnificent. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to cut corners and just get some pellet of manure. I know, I know, but the thing is, with the cow manure that you get in bulk, remembering I said earlier that the cow manure not only serves as a feeding manure, but it also serves as a mulching manure. And this is exactly what we need to do to our gardens. We don't just want to get into the habit of just throwing pellets over the garden because it's not going to do the same as what that beautiful, uh, rich cow manure is going to do to our garden because it's going to make the garden look beautiful. Wow, Shirley Bassey, and uh, we're going from Goldfinger on to NURFM to Greenfinger Greenfinger. with David Peterson, Gardening Talkback. It's 20 past one, and we've got him for another few minutes, and let's make the most of him. Keith from Chain Valley Bay, that's the place, isn't it? (laughs) Hello, Keith. That's the place. G'day, Dave. How are you going, mate? Good, thank you. Good. Listen, mate, um, I've got zygote cactus, Yes. uh, and I've got six pots of them. And they've been in the same pot for about five or six years now, and I'm thinking of uh, trans- uh, like repotting them. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do I go up to just the next size pot up, and what sort of soil would I use in them? Okay, well, certainly you would only go the next size up because with cactus they love being restricted, so they don't like being overpotted, so they don't like all that extra soil around the root system. So, I mean, look, certainly what, what I would say to you, if they're doing well in the pots that they are, leave them alone because you'll probably find you may have problems if you do pot them up. Now, look, certainly at this time of the year, I wouldn't suggest to repot them because you're putting extra soil around the root system and creating extra moisture, which is the one thing that they do not like. So I would, yeah, strong, I would yeah. strong, strongly suggest that you leave it to the warmer conditions so that you just step them up in a pot next size and then you use a, 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 just a cactus mixture. You'll go into your local nursery and just ask for a cactus mixture. That is the mm-hmm. best mixture because it's nice and coarse sand so it will actually allow the, the, the water once again to run through very quickly. Yeah, they're, uh, they're towards the end of their flowering now. There's yes. only a couple of more blooms left on them and uh, the they're plants are looking very straggly. That's yes. why I thought I might repot them. Well, look, certainly if they're looking straggly, you can just trim them back. Of course, zygos are good for that because basically all you just do is take the stems back, a few few of those leaf nodes, so you're actually mm-hmm. thickening up the plant. And, of course, with all those cuttings that you take, you can stick those in and form another plant out of them. But as I said, yeah. as far as repotting, try and leave it till the warmer months rather than doing it now when it's too so cold. Terrific. That sounds right. good. Okay. Also, I'm interested in uh, in uh, Venus flytraps. Are they all right around this area? Yes. Look, certainly Venus flytraps will grow in most areas. They do basically stop growing during the winter months because it's too cold for them. They are still around. I mean, I know I've got a, a variety of um, flytraps at work. Uh, so, yes, you can still get them all the way through the winter, but they basically grow actively during the warmer weather once again. No, that's terrific. Thank you very much, Dave. You're welcome, Keith. So I suppose, like many of us, uh, they like to stay in bed in the mornings as well.
The Venus flytraps? Well, many plants. Well, the, the Venus flytraps, believe it or not, Jane, would appreciate this really wet weather because they live in swamps, of course, so they're wet all the time. So when someone buys a, a flytrap from work, I ask them to put, the, put it into a saucer of water because it likes to be kept really wet all the time. So they're a little bit different to um, the average plant that we're growing in the they're garden. They're the ones smiling. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, uh, our next question. Uh, can I ask your name? Oh, Peggy. Hello, Peggy from Katara. That's right. Hello. How are you, Peggy? Not too bad, thank you. That's good. And you? Good, good. If only this rain would go away, I'd be even happier. <laughs> the same thought that, that I have about <laughs> it. <laughs> yes, it's very muddy here. Yes. I'm on the side of the hill. I know next time to buy a house on the top of the hill. <laughs> so I yes. think it's the drainage. <laughs> what can I do for you today, Peggy? Um, I do the church gardening yes. and I have put in oh, eight or ten years ago camellias. They're getting some of them have got quite tall. Some have got uh, different coloured flowers on the taller part of it, <laughs> and I don't know whether I'll lose those completely if I cut the top off it. Um, and uh, is that advisable to trim them back from the top? Will they spread out? Um, they will, they will, they will. Certainly with camellias, after they finish blooming, it's always a good idea to prune them back. But what's actually happening on your camellias, it's very, very common for camellias to do this. They, they, it's called sporting. And basically sometimes you'll get an entirely different flower on a particular branch on the camellia. And it's just where it's shot up a new shoot and it's just sported to an, either another colour or it's sported back to its original colour, what it was taken from. So let's just give me, I'll give you an example. If you have a flower on a camellia that's probably red and white and then all of a sudden it'll send up a branch which is possibly just red or possibly just pink. That means it's actually sported back to its original colour. Now you can do one of two things here. You can either leave it and you'll have those two colours on the plant all the time. Otherwise if you prune it back or prune that area out, you're taking it out and you're taking it back to the, um, the camellia which you probably bought it as or whatever was planted as. So as I said you can treat it either way. Uh, whether you wanted to keep the two colours on, which sometimes I think is quite intriguing when you leave the two colours on or otherwise you can just cut it out. Right. And how high should I leave them? Well, look, certainly I've seen camellias uh, cut back from, say, possibly 10 or 12 feet right back to 6 feet. That's how hard you can actually cut them back. But, But... by doing that, you'll probably find it will take a lot longer for them to shoot out. So if you're just wanting to give the camellia a light prune just to put it back into some sort of reasonable shape, just by taking a foot of growth off the camellia, that's fine. Oh, good, because I I had an offer of some help. Okay. And he was going to borrow my hedge clipper. Yes. And he said, I can fix them in four hours. And I thought, no, no, no. <laughs> Well, I would be watching him with eagle eyes just to make sure he's doing what you want him to do, Peggy. Well, I haven't given him the hedge. Oh, okay, okay, all right. I just think, um, you know, I've got to be cautious about that. Yes, yes. Anyhow, thank you very much. I I enjoyed talking about the zigzag cat. Yeah, the zygos, yes. It's a very old-fashioned thing, all coming back into fashion again. I've had them for years. Yes. And I've got a beautiful lilac one and huge... And um, I took it into the church for put on the table uh, for decoration. Yes. And everybody admired it because it's always it had a good, about yeah. two drops on each 
leave. Oh, yes, yes. It's always a good talking point because they're still, they're, as you say, they've been around for quite a number of years. Well, thank you very much, Peggy. Thank you, Peggy. And we'll move on to what I think will probably be our last call for today. And it's Bob who's rung in from Charlestown. Hello, Bob. Hello, David. Just a quick question, David. The shrub known as Christmas bush. Yes. Does it lose its leaves over winter? Well, if we're talking about the New South Wales Christmas bush, no, it shouldn't. Um, it should retain its foliage all the way through the year. Right. No, I've got one here that looks like something's hit it. Uh, and the, the tree next door, all the leaves have gone off, both of them. And uh, I didn't think it had lost its leaves the uh, previous winter. And uh, I'd say it's had a had an attack from a bug or something. Well, and look, I know there is a bug that often gets on the New South Wales Christmas bush, which can defoliate it. You'll probably find by doing that, it will reshoot again in the springtime. So basically what you'll need to do in the later parts of winter, early spring, is probably just pop some um, blood and bone around it. And then that way it should shoot back into growth. And hopefully, uh, if you're very lucky, it will give you some flowers for um, for the oncoming season. Okay. Thank you, David. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. And uh, I think it's almost at that time, David, where we need to think about who's getting the gift package. Yes, well, let's just run through it first of all, Jane. It consists of this um, petostrum or pitostorum that some people like to pronounce it as being, and it's called golf ball. And it's exactly that. It's a little round, glossy green foliage bush, uh, which looks really, really nice in the garden. So there's no trimming that's required for this particular plant. It just grows into this little bushy plant itself. Good sunny spot out in the garden and the only thing is with potostrums they love really well drained soil so be very very careful where you place it and it hates humid areas so never plant it in amongst other things because you'll always have problems there so a great little plant not only that I'm giving away a bottle of the harvest that's the liquid fertilizer the concentrated one and a container of the aquamagic water storing granules which as I said you'll leave until we get some drier weather as well as some sachets in that bag as well so I thought I might give it to Kathy. Now, Kathy had a very major problem today. She was from Spears Point. She had the rubber plant problem with her next door neighbour. So perhaps this plant may cheer her up. So, Kathy, all you really need to do, make your way to Walls End Community Nursery. That's on the corner of Crowdus and Lake Road Walls End. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program where I will have a brand new gift to give away next Monday. Well, thank you, David Peterson. No, thank you, Jane, for joining us. And I'll look forward to seeing you next week. And good gardening, everyone. To NURFM's Gardening Talkback. We'll be back next Monday.